This podcast is brought to you by the Specialty Produce Network. Welcome to Plated Earth, where we share at least a fraction of the crazy, wonderful, and insightful stories of produce. I'm your host, JJ. Plated Earth is also the official podcast of the Specialty Produce app. Please show your support for us and Specialty Produce by downloading the app and exploring one of the globe's most comprehensive fresh food databases. Now grab a snack and get ready for Food Fables, where we share original short fiction stories about produce and its connection to people, culture, and more. Dimitri has always had a love affair with food. Growing up, working in his parents' many restaurants across the globe, he developed an eye for plating, paired with a taste for compatibility. Each dish rich with history, culture, stories, memories, oh, and of course, flavor. He'd also always been fascinated by food trends. Lately, it was avocado toast, which seemed to be resurrected from the 1700s, when avocados were known as poor man's butter, though varieties, ironically, are coming back richer than before. And then there's smoothie bowls, colorful, Instagram-worthy displays of color and texture. One of the food stalls at the original farmer's market in Los Angeles was advertising their pitaya bowl, a vibrant, vitamin-dense, antioxidant-rich, beauty-from-the-inside-out secret. The kids loved it for its bright magenta color, as much as for its sweet, delicate, tropical taste. Dimitri never observed with only his eyes. He tasted all trends and traditions. He says that's how he continues to travel the world. Dimitri lined up with the rest of the crowd, waiting patiently to order his pitaya bowl. Did you know pitaya is also known as dragon fruit? He spoke to those around him in line. It is one of the most widely distributed members of the cactus family. Pitaya was first discovered in Central America centuries ago and from there traveled in the hands of early missionaries and explorers to all corners of the globe, including Vietnam and other parts of Asia, where it was renamed to dragon fruit. Dimitri moved to the community table with his bowl, a deep yet vivid magenta blended base, topped with sliced banana, mango, and kiwi, sprinkled with coconut flakes to finish. Others followed as they too received their orders from the smoothie stand. Dimitri admired the bowl a moment with a satisfied smile, then ate quietly and slowly for a few minutes, savoring each bite and allowing time for the crowd to join him. The plant's flower, which blooms for just one night a year, though it has on occasion lasted for two, looks like a dragon's neck hanging down with flames coming out of its mouth. It's unique and absolutely beautiful. The fruit itself is bright pink or yellow, with overlaid leaves that look somewhat like scales. So that's why they call it dragon fruit? A kid from the crowd asked excitedly. That's what many people believe. However, there is a legend that tells a different tale. A legend that became popular when the pitaya was first introduced to Asia. Perhaps as a marketing ploy to make the exotic fruit even more alluring, or to give it a history of their own. Or maybe, just maybe... The legend comes from a world long ago, with creatures unlike anything we've ever dreamed to be real. The kids all quieted, their eyes widening with anticipation. You could practically see the image of a dragon take shape in the reflection of their eyes, 
surfacing from deep within their mind's imagination. As always, with a wipe of his napkin across his lips, like a curtain unveiling the opening act, Dimitri began his story. Dimitri spoke. Thousands of years ago, there were creatures larger than anything you've ever seen roaming this earth. Soaring overhead, they'd cast a shadow that would have made you think they swallowed the sun just for those brief moments. Dragons. Mystical, powerful, immense dragons that ruled from the skies with only one true predator beneath their shadow. Humans. At that time, there was a great emperor who ruled over all of Asia. He inherited the title from his grandfather, as his father had tragically passed away when he was just a young boy. A dragon had killed him in a battle. His grandfather had done what he could to rule with peace. He believed the dragons had a place in this world, just as every other living creature, from ants to wolves to humans to beasts. Battles were not instigated by his warriors, and he strictly instructed them not to engage unless necessary. That's what the father did. They were at war with a neighboring army when he and his troops happened upon a dragon's nest. The mother dragon returned to find intruders close to her young. A battle ensued, the father distracting the dragon to allow his cohorts to flee. He died bravely, the grandfather had explained. It was his time, tragically early, but he accepted it with honor. He gave those extra years of his life to his troops. But the great emperor disagreed. His father's death planted a seed within him that grew into hatred. When he claimed the throne, he waged a war against the dragons. It was from these epic battles that the dragon fruit was born. During battle, when a dragon would breathe fire, the very last thing to emerge from the darkness of its throat was a fruit with scales just like its own. If the dragon were slain, the warriors who brought down the beast would collect the fruit, baptize it in the beast's own blood, and lay it at the feet of the great emperor, a symbol of victory, a trophy for their leader. The great emperor delighted in the fruit's sweet red flesh. He felt as though he were eating the very heart of the dragon. He would split the fruit in half, digging into the deep yet bright blood magenta flesh with his fingertips, announcing to his army, I shall feast upon every last living one until their hearts beat no more. The warriors would eat the meat of the dragon itself, especially savoring the delicious meat of the tail, where they thought the fire originated in the beast. They believed that eating the flesh gave them the power and ferocity of the dragon, as well as earned them favor with their leader, the great emperor. That first bite of dragon meat planted a seed in the warriors that grew into greed. As they became stronger, their desires for power and admiration amplified. More and more dragons were slain, all the fruit collected, all bathed in the blood of their war, all ripening with red flesh, stained by their history. But there was one warrior whose heart was not yet hardened by the great emperor. Though he fought battles, helped to hunt down the dragons, he did not take part in slaying, nor the victory. The first dragon he had faced in battle looked right at him. He saw his own reflection in its eye. He saw sadness, fear, vulnerability that others said was impossible of a beast. It was the last look, right before another warrior slayed the dragon right in front of him, its body falling at his feet. It was that last look which planted a different seed inside the one warrior. He refused to eat the flesh, endured the mockery from his comrades, and was all but invisible to the great emperor. 
What's the matter, Targaryen? You afraid it's going to haunt you in the afterlife? Roar! Targaryen, where'd you go? There's something standing there, but sure doesn't look like a man. Why don't you just give us your sword? You clearly don't need it. Through it all, Targaryen sat with a peaceful smile on his face, quoting the former emperor, the grandfather. If true beasts kill for joy, then what are we? You better not let the great emperor hear you talking like that. No disrespect to the emperor, Targaryen said. I fight alongside my brothers. And we fight with our loving little sister. One warrior slapped Targaryen on the back, causing him to lurch forward, the crowd roaring with laughter. Battle after battle went on just like that. The great emperor grew in his hatred, the warriors in their greed, and Targaryen in his compassion. Then one night, Targaryen again found himself face to face with a fire-breathing beast, but this time he was alone, the other warriors busy with their own battles. They locked eyes. At first, the dragon roared, but then suddenly stilled, as if recognizing something in the warrior that stood before him, something unlike the others. Targaryen felt his heart pounding. He swallowed his nerves like a rock tumbling down his throat to the pit of his stomach, and slowly extended his trembling arm. The dragon approached, one heavy step at a time, exhaling through its flared nostrils, the air blowing Targaryen's hair back with force. But when the dragon got closer, its demeanor changed. Its gaze softened, its breath lightened, and it gently pushed the top of its nose into Targaryen's hand, like a dog to its owner. Targaryen's heart raced even harder, but this time with a sense of joy. He gracefully pet the rough skin as the dragon let out what could only be described as a purr. Some of his fellow warriors had finished with their own business and hurried to Targaryen's aid, or rather to claim his kill, as they were accustomed to doing. But when they saw him, they completely froze, their swords and their jaws dropping to the floor. The dragon lifted its head and blew its fiery breath straight up in the air, the fruit following off the tip of its tongue, landing at Targaryen's feet. The dragon nudged it closer, as if presenting it as its own trophy a symbol of a different kind of victory. The warriors fell to their knees. The dragon flew away with mighty grace as Targaryen collected the fruit at his feet. The other warriors followed him to the great emperor. Targaryen bowed with respect and extended the fruit to his leader, who looked upon him with curious, maybe even slightly suspicious eyes. The great emperor cut the fruit in half, his eyes widening as he gazed upon the flesh. It had the same many small black seeds as the other fruits, but the flesh was vibrant white. Still silent, the great emperor delicately dug out a piece of the flesh, his face displaying his pleasant surprise as his brows lifted lightly off his eyes. His gaze moved onto the warrior before him. Who are you? the great emperor asked. They call me Targaryen. How did you get this? The other warriors burst with the story as if the new perspective they witnessed overflowed from within them like the dragon's own fire. The great emperor listened in awe, his eyes dancing from one warrior to the next, as they each shared their piece of the story. All the while, Targaryen stood tall and humble before him. When no words were left to describe the scene, the great warrior approached, one heavy step at a time, his fierce eyes fixated on Targaryen. But when the great emperor got closer, his demeanor changed. His gaze softened, 
he let out a long, relieving sigh and gently extended his open palm to meet Targaryen's shoulder. You are the bravest warrior I've seen, the great emperor said. You've stood bravely in the face of many different kinds of beasts, inside and out, and have brought the greatest prize, the purest fruit, to earn my favor without compromising your principles. No easy feat. Thank you, great emperor, Targaryen bowed. That night, Targaryen planted a new seed in the great emperor and his warriors, a seed that grew into a deep understanding and respect. From that night, dragons and humans coexisted, fighting only when natural and necessary. Targaryen, alongside the great emperor, planted the dragon fruit, one red-fleshed and the white, and they grew into incredible vining cactus plants. The plants would flower just one night, a reflection of that single night that changed everything for the fruit and those who fought for it. The flower itself blooming to look like a dragon, extending its neck with flames, the flower petals bursting from its mouth. In that single night, the flowers would be pollinated, and sure enough, when those petals, those flames receded, there would be the fruit. They say Targaryen's lineage has a special knack for growing the fruit, and they continued their bond with the fire-breathing beasts until the dragons, through natural course, became extinct. Still, some believe that dragon fruit is the heart of the creature, and that each new fruit is a heartbeat, one after the other in succession, allowing the mystical creature to live on inside the fruit and inside our imagination. The End Well, folks, that concludes this week's episode. Be sure to follow at Specially Produce App on Instagram for some amazing produce photos. And while you're on there, give us a follow at Plated Earth. Tune in next time for the latest food buzz. And remember, cauliflower is nothing but a cabbage with a college education. We'll catch you next time. 